Rogue Radio. Now available on Mixcloud at mixcloud.com forward slash rogue country. Keep it rogue. Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of Into the Van. I am Mike West and I am so excited to be back for another episode with you kind folks. If you are enjoying this podcast, please go leave it a review wherever you can review your podcast over to Apple, iTunes, Amazon, wherever. It's greatly appreciated and it'll help us get the word out. Just recommending it to a friend would help infinitely. Word of mouth is always the strongest thing you can do. Today we are of course sponsored by Rogue Radio. I absolutely adore Rogue Radio, it's my favorite radio station, unbiasedly and biasedly because I'm lucky enough to do a little show on there every other week, trying to bring a platform to independent UK, international, European, American, Australian acts that we think don't get enough credit and enough recognition really, and it's just trying to even out the playing field. We are of course brought to you today by my album, The Next Life. It's almost been out a year and I can't believe the response for it, even just the fact one person picked up a copy blew my mind. You can also pick up a copy, I'm going to drop a teaser for you now. I think we're at a crossroad once again Wish it was with someone other than my best friends My head is telling me I have to go My heart is wishing that it ain't so So you go left, I'll go right And I'll catch you in the next life And if you dig that, head over to mike333west.com and pick up your copy. We've got vinyl, we've got CD, we've got digital, so we've got all bases covered. Today's episode, I'm so excited to have Brian and Cyan from Soda Jerker on. They are two local lads who created a podcast about songwriting, and it is such a wealth of information. Their guests are so incredible. Recently, they had Bon Jovi on it. They've had Paul McCartney. They've had Jason Isbell. That's how I first found out about them, because I'm a huge Jason Isbell fan. And their guests and their questions are so great that I, I've been a fan from the get-go, and to know that they're also local to me was inspiring. And when I started this podcast, Soda Jerker, in my mind, was one of those podcasts that was inspiring me. And I'm glad I got to tell them that during this interview as well. This is a really great podcast and songwriting interview, in my opinion. So if you're into those things, this is going to be a wealth of information for you. It's also really entertaining. Brian and Simon are podcast hosts through and through. And it's just a great talk. So without further ado, this is episode 36 of Into the Van with Soda Jerker. Welcome to Into the Van with me, Mike West. Yeah, it's weird because it's like, I normally say now we're rolling and it goes into it, but as podcast hosts yourselves, you must, it just must be like a cause of habit now, it's just you slip into it so easily. Second nature to us now, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I don't know how many have we done since we started doing them remotely. Oh God, um, I would say about 40. 
Wow, fourteen. I think it's been that many. I think we were in the we were in the hundred and sixties. I think when uh, lockdown started. I think, Black. and we, we're just approaching two hundred now. Yeah, so it's about it's nearly well, it's, it's close to fifty. I think because we've still got a bunch in the can as well. Mm. Yeah, oh, that's incredible. I know this is. I think might be my thirty fifth episode, and it's probably I did like three or four face to face, and the rest have been digital, but. Like you were talking just before we started rolling is it like this has been an easier thing for you guys so it's like obviously cut down the travel and it's has it opened up guests that you wouldn't have necessarily got as quick really hmm um i'm not sure really i think in ordinary circumstances a lot of these people we've spoken to would have been on the kind of uh, promotional trail for for albums and stuff or tours or whatever so um i think they would have been probably visiting the UK if they're mm. not already based in the UK um, and we probably would have got quite a few of them I, I mean you know there's no way we could have done 50 uh, in person chats I don't think that would have that would have broken the bank <laughs> but um, but yeah I, I, so I guess just the, just the volume it's 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 helped the kind of volume of episodes we've been able to do but um, yeah I think any any sort of any other guests really maybe aside from maybe a Bert Bacharach or someone like that who probably doesn't travel as much these days on account mm. of his uh, rapidly advancing years and um, yeah but you know generally the younger guests are people who would have been touring and stuff we probably would have got yeah oh cool with kind of like doing it face to face and doing it digitally did you notice a change in kind of the guests comfort really because you have you know when you're face to face you get more of a personal connection but when you're doing it digitally they might be at home they might be like slightly more relaxed in their own settings did you notice anything from those type of things. Yeah, we often find that if we get someone remotely and they're in their own space, they're going to be a bit more talkative and more relaxed. And also you tend to get a longer time with them as well mm. because they haven't had to go anywhere to do it. So, um, Or they're not part of some kind of junket situation where the time is managed by a publicist yeah. or something. So you'll tend to get an hour with most people remotely, um, whereas in, in other situations we've been forced down to sort of 30 minutes um, and it's quite strict, but... Yeah, there's a lot of complications to it because in some situations you find that, for example, if we do something in person, it might be easy for us to record it because I'm managing the recording setup, whereas remotely it might be more complicated if we want some audio from them as well. And some mm. people, as you probably know, are you know super familiar with how to do that and other people have absolutely no idea even though they're in the music business and make grammy winning albums yeah <laughs> they can't record their own voices so um it's sometimes a challenge you know um and some of that can mean there's five or ten minutes at the beginning where you're fumbling around for stuff or they go off and say oh i need to go and have a look for my headphones or you know this sort of stuff <laughs> yeah. So, yeah yeah so i was just going to say i think conversationally as well it's it's a little bit um maybe a little bit more challenging than, than in person because in person you can just there's more of a natural kind of ebb and flow to the conversation you you can sort of you can sort of politely interrupt or you, you can make a motion as if I'm going to say something now yeah. and they will sort of just naturally hold back and you'll say what you that's harder to do on on Zoom remotely you know so there's a little bit more in the way of interruption and, and sort of it's like a few faltering moments here and there that you wouldn't necessarily get in in the sort of in 
in person, basically. And obviously, yeah. you can edit that stuff later to sort mm-hmm. of improve the flow of the conversation, but there's no room for quips, is there, on Zoom? Because by the time you've made your snappy comment and they've talked over it and they say, oh, sorry, what was that? It's just not funny anymore, so... <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, definitely, it is one of those things, and, like, I've only done one podcast where it was audio only, and that was just a nightmare for tripping up over each other and things like i always try and at least do a video as well but yeah before on a side note just as from what we were talking about i can't believe do you know how like all these talk shows have had like guests remoting in i can't believe i've got a better self than like adele or fucking like ryan reynolds or something how are they still doing it on an iphone and like no one's gone to be like i'm gonna buy like a podcast mic and a hd webcam everyone's got like it's filming through a potato yeah <laughs> i know it's crazy and it the amount of people who don't who don't wear uh earphones you know the, um so you've got all that delay and again that's the spill and the talking over each other you got you get much more of that obviously if you're not wearing all wearing kind of earphones yeah no it's crazy i'm sure like we do i'm sure these people are briefed beforehand by the production team to like listen if you could wear earphones if you could be in a quiet room duh, 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 and some of them take notes some of them just don't and that that's the that's been our experience hmm. mike do you need audio yeah. from us or or video and it should if you're if you guys are recording through this that should be fine just audio though if uh, yeah it's all audio okay. it's not it's not a video yeah, yeah. podcast just checking that you weren't expecting me at the end to give you a nice hd video <laughs> oh no no it's all just audio i always like i wouldn't even know how to approach because not only is it just like hey do you want to come and talk to me a stranger for an hour but it's also do you mind if i stare at you and then put that footage onto mm the internet as well i feel it adds like a whole other like performance level to it that i don't want to make people uncomfortable with and yeah and they have to like watch what they do it's true we we experimented with video for one episode and it was such a hassle and it was such a sort of impediment in the flow of getting things going and also post-production as well we just thought Mm. audio is it's just more fun and less stressful and it's nicer to not be on camera and sometimes i think yeah although as as you were saying you know you prefer to kind of have the guest on on camera and and we definitely feel the same you know what i mean when you've just got a name on a black background yeah and we're sitting here kind of large as life and you just can't see them it's 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 odd it's an odd setup you know they can see you you can't see them um and yeah yeah that does make you feel a little bit more oddly more self-conscious maybe than if you know if they're just on the screen with you yeah Yeah. and it's a weird one because i i enjoy like i watch him like the two bears one cave podcast and steve-o's new podcast and i like to watch them on youtube and i smashed a few like the other night when i was just like sitting in bed but i'd never like do a full video podcast just as its own thing i always feel like it's just a weird element to it yeah i wouldn't be comfortable with that yeah we've discussed in the past kind of doing maybe doing some sort of youtube video series or something like that but i've I've always ended ended up kind of rejecting the idea because just the idea, you know, just just having having to talk to camera and and mm. that's it's a whole other skill I think uh, that I just don't have. And what, mm. Yeah, audio is just much preferable. Yeah, definitely. But before the Soda Jacob podcast, before all that, you guys met in high school, did you? How long have you guys been friends now? Since Ooh. we were about thirteen or something. Uh, yeah, it's getting on for thirty years now. We we started. Um, we started secondary school in the same class in like September 1990, that would have been. So we've sort of known of each other for over 30 years now, but I think we probably didn't become friends till maybe year eight, year nine, would you say, Si? 
Yeah, although I don't know how that translates because I still live in the world where you start in <laughs> form 1B and then you go into yeah. the next one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, if, yeah, yeah if you... it was like second year of high school, was it? Basically, yeah. 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 That's so cool. Like, all my, like, close friends, I've got six of us who have, like, we grew up together, we met in high school and things. What do you think it is about that kind of dynamic and those four movies that make a friendship last, like, going into 30 years? Because me and my mates, I'm 30 now, so we're going on, like, 17 years now, and it's still one of those things where it's, like, how have I still managed to, like, keep these idiots around, and why am I, like, why have they still, like, let me tag along with them? Mm-hmm. It's a pivotal moment in life, isn't it? Just as you, you're coming into your teens and you're starting to formulate your personality and your tastes. And, well, I guess your personality gets formed earlier than that, but, you know, your sort of adult personality mm. and, you know, what you're going to be about and what you're into and all of that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, if you look at people's Facebook pages, oftentimes they're still friends with all the people that they went to school with in that period. Not necessarily friends with people from, you know, primary school, but certainly your senior school is where you can mm. get your yeah. gang of mates, isn't it? And um, usually not many of those go away over time. Although you won't necessarily see them all the time. You do have that thing where if you meet up with them, it feels like no time has passed, mm. you know. You go through a lot together, don't you, in that period of your life? That's it, yeah. And I think I think with us as well, our, a lot of our friendships being based around kind of the just the shared taste in, in music and films and comedy and stuff like that. And we probably bonded, you know, I probably bonded with Sai more over that kind of stuff than I did with, with a lot of other people. You know, mm. people I'm still friends with to this day, but, you know, me and Sai just seemed to kind of hit it off in that. I think it was it was films initially, actually, before, because mm. um, I wasn't really, I, I mean, I liked music, but I wasn't kind of, I wasn't kind of heavily into it around sort of 13, probably around 14, mm. 15, I started to get into music more. Whereas Sai, yeah. I think, was playing guitar when he was like sort of 12, 13, maybe, and getting into stuff. But yeah, I remember sitting together in French in like second year. And uh, and somehow, I think we were just sat together. We wouldn't choose to. I think it was just the uh, <laughs> how the teacher kind of arranged the class. And we happened to end up sat next to each other. And somehow, I think we got on to like talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and <laughs> Breakfast Club and, and John Hughes movies, I, I remember. And. Mm. Um, Kind of the comedies like National Lampoon's Vacation and uh, things like that. Um, uh, yeah, and just it was movies, and then we just sort of quote move, move like movie dialogue <laughs> to each other. And then it's somewhere along the way, I sort of started playing music as well. I took up the guitar and then took up the bass, and then we were in a band together, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, I used to tape sketches from Saturday Night Live, the early 90s cast, and give them to Brian on VHS to watch. I know, where did you manage to get SNL back in the 90s? Was it on cable it or something? It used to be channel, wasn't it? The NBC Super Channel, was it? <laughs> I think it was on Sky One at like 1am. Ah. <laughs> oh yeah, the Tonight Show was on the NBC Super Channel, wasn't it? That's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, That's so cool, and that's kind of like the same thing with me and my friends. It was kind of like we were all the alternative kids in the school so we got pushed into like just one corner of the school and it was like that's where all the moshes are and you stay there and then we were like that's fine because this is all the people we actually like anyway mm. so then it was like sabbath and then it was me and my friend it's just like nick cage films and we've <laughs> always just had like that thread of whenever a new cage film comes out we'll go watch it and stuff but it's amazing how films and like pop culture is like it really cements into the bedrock of 
like friendships with your podcast and obviously you've talked to some absolute legends like bon jovi and stuff has that been kind of where you have to step back and be like these are people we've been admiring and talking about since we were kids and now you get to sit down and have a conversation with them yeah it's weird <laughs> it really is it's weird isn't it you know a lot of these people we speak to we've been fans of for decades and so um there is part of you that kind of goes oh my god you know Bon Jovi actually does have that face in real life. Um, and there's another party that goes, okay, you've got to ask some questions now, so get on with it. And then you just set all that aside and just try and do your job and get it underway. And usually it comes off pretty well. We've had some lovely experiences with these sorts of people. Yeah, you, you've just got to uh, just get on with the task in hand. There's kind of like flippance as that sounds. So it's not remotely, you know, you, you are nervous going into to meet these people or even get get on Zoom with, with them, you know. Um, but yeah, you just, um, in the moment, it's just right, well, you know, let's make the most of this 40, 45 minutes we have with these people and just try and do a good good job. So that kind of helps allay the, the, the fear and the nerves because hmm. we're just, we're keen that at the end of this thing, we'll have a good episode, you know what I mean? That's ultimately what it is. It's obviously, it's, it's unbelievable to to get to meet some of these people, but it, it's kind of and that, and that would be nice in and of itself. But you know, we wouldn't want it to just be for its own sake. You know, what yeah. I mean, we want a, something good at the end of it that people will enjoy hearing. You know, not just us kind of fawning over famous people. <laughs> yeah, is it hard to kind of find that balance? Because I've had like people I'm a fan of, and obviously I'm a fan of. Music. I was nervous about this podcast, if I'm honest, because <laughs> I've been fans of your show for a while. But is it hard to kind of like? separate the adulation and fawning over people to you know get down to the questions and actually ask worthwhile questions i I think we've we've gotten immodest as it sounds pretty good at doing that really um you know the the first time we ever did it actually what i mentioned before we 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 filmed an interview um that was our first ever in-person interview that it was with ben folds five and this was talking about 2012 we did that and i think we we made a rod for our own backs there because it was our first in-person interview with a band we we'd loved since you know for like twenty years or something, and uh, maybe not twenty years, but you know, and and we're filming it in high in high def, and it was like you know, I remember sitting down thinking, why did we why didn't we just do this like over Skype or, um, but uh, so that was you know tremendously nerve wracking, but we, we managed to get through it, you know. Um, might not have been our, our best interview ever, but it's, it turned out pretty pretty good. And then, just over the years through doing it more, you just kind of um, I don't know. We're both pretty sensible. We don't get kind of carried away and giddy. You know, we, we do afterwards. We're, yeah. we're excited beforehand, and and we're giddy afterwards. But but we're both good at kind of right in the moment. We can we just seem to be able to focus. And to, personally speaking, I I, I mean. That's just something I discovered I was able to do by doing it. You know, um, mm. I, I could never have predicted that. I would never have believed I'd be able to sit face to face with McCartney or or Sting and and not go to pieces. But that's just <laughs> how it's turned out, you know. So, um, and you you just take kind of courage from that going into future interviews. Yeah, I think preparation helps as well because we prepare quite rigorously. 
mm. and we know what we want to ask about and we we are i mean with a lot of these people we already know the catalog but if we don't know the songs as well then we study up on them and yeah. we, we you know we pick out things we think are important to ask about and that can help you know when you're in a situation where you're looking into the craggy lines of a famous face um you can kind of rely on what you've prepared to get the question out and get a good answer out of them you know and and also um typically with the the real big guns you know you get quite a, especially if it's an in-person interview you get quite a limited time so it, it could be 30 minutes for instance you know mccartney or or someone like that that that's like 30 minutes so mm. that focuses you even more because it's like right there's no time for faffing about here we've got to just get to the get to the questions get decent answers try to you know try to steer them away from rambling where possible which is sometimes easier said than done but you know um and yeah so that that just focuses the whole thing you know and they'll have a new album to to promote usually so it's not like you know if if, if they've had like a 50 60 year career it's not like you can just go over every yeah you know album in the back catalog you've got to mostly talk about the new thing and maybe draw on some some older stuff as well where you know maybe towards the end if, if there's time so so that helps with the nerves and stuff as well because i think if we were given right you've got three hours with paul mccartney then <laughs> that is a that is hard and and to keep that plate spinning for for that length of time would be really difficult so it's actually you know getting 30 maybe 40 minutes is is ideal for us really and it just makes our job a little bit easier and just again just allays the the fear yeah because it is a performance ultimately you mean you go in there to deliver a kind of performance that when people listen back to it, they're going to be entertained in some way. You know, mm-hmm. um, not that we think of ourselves as entertainers in that fashion, but like you do have to be asking interesting things and responding in a way that's going to keep things ticking over and keep things fun um, mm. and engaging. You know, um, and as Brian said, if you get thirty or forty minutes with someone and it's a major star with a long history, having the discipline to say, okay, we're not going to cover penny lane and you know all that stuff in this chat but we can do a good job of one album yeah uh, that's important just having that focus and being able to say because it's very tempting isn't it when you get that chance to sit down and ask those questions but those questions have been answered in great detail elsewhere by people who had is, more time yeah. you know is that something you look for as well as like kind of you know with paul mccartney it's like you know the majority of the questions he's been asked do you then try and sit there and think of if that's been the majority of the questions now what have we not seen before what are the answers we haven't really got yet it, yeah basically um i mean we're both you know big mccartney fans and we've seen hundreds probably read hundreds of or heard hundreds of of interviews with him in the past we know all the, the you know the uh tried and trusted anecdotes you know the the learning b7 the hey jude story you know movements on your shoulder all that stuff you know so obviously we're trying like let's do our damnedest not to go down that kind of avenue um i mean you know i've, I've heard people do that too and, and they've kind of failed you know because he, sometimes if if paul wants to tell those stories he'll, he'll find a way to tell them regardless of the question he's been asked and a lot, a lot of people are like that you know it they're sort of quite certain stories. They're so well told that they've become quite entrenched, and, and yeah. then, so they're just kind of pulled out at every kind of opportunity. So yeah, you 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 do try your best to kind of steer clear of those kind of well worn stories. Um, and yeah, um, I mean it's fine if if he ends up telling something like that, or 
That's it's not a problem really. You yeah. know, people. I think with with McCartney, I think we would have had a free pass for <laughs> any story he wanted to tell. I think people were kind of so thrilled that we had them on. Mm. But obviously, we were keen to try and get new stuff, and and you know, we had the new album to talk about. So we we, you know, as I said before, we tried to just focus on that. Uh, where where possible, maybe draw on some older things and refer to older tracks and things. But but mainly, we just focused on the, the new album, and ultimately. It's a it's a podcast about songwriting, so it doesn't have to be what I call a kind of jukebox uh, interview, where it's like, now tell me how you wrote this song, tell me how you yeah. how you wrote this song. You know, it doesn't have to be. Oh, we want to know ultimately how Paul McCartney. Yeah, I keep using this example, but you know, we want to know how he writes songs. So you know, whether he's talking about Hey Jude or he's talking about a track off Egypt Station, you're still hearing about how he writes songs. Yeah. So. You know, we've learned to not be too concerned about, oh, we didn't get to ask about that, we didn't get to ask about this. You know, as long as we get enough uh, insight into the craft of songwriting from that person, it doesn't really matter what songs you ask about. Mm. Yeah. At the same time, I've heard people say, try not to be too clever, clever, because people like that have heard it all before in terms mm. of the weird question, you know, how much is a pint of milk, Paul, that sort of stuff. And, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, you try to fox someone like that and they're like, yeah, I've been doing this for 50 years, mate. You know, it's not... <laughs> That's <laughs> you know, right, yeah. catch me out. So uh, it's somewhere in between, isn't it? It's, it's as Brian said, it's just focusing on the thing we're really interested in, trying to build up a portrait of that person in that moment on that topic, you know. Yeah. No, cool. Do you have any like influences in terms of interviewers or podcast hosts that you really not necessarily steal from, but you like their delivery? Like I really like um Sean Evans from the Hot Ones YouTube show. Because oh, right. of how he kind of presents himself and the questions he does for the deep dive are really interesting. So taking away like the performance of like the hot wings and stuff, it's a really interesting interview that you don't really get to see from like late night and things. Is there anyone that you draw from or are inspired by? For your interviewing, hmm. yeah, different people for different things, I suppose. Um, you know, the way that Mark Marin gets things out of people is always interesting. Although there are certain aspects of the way he does that that I'm not really a fan of, you know, because um, mm. it's it's very much about his own kind of relationship to people or to things from the past, and and he sort of works through his problems by talking to people, <laughs> yeah. and and some of that um, isn't really my style at all, but. There, there are just um, sometimes when he gets a flow on with a conversation, he's kind of unbeatable. So um, that sort of thing is really good. And then there are other shows which I guess are uh, more specifically about craft, which I find interesting. So um, Brian Koppelman's podcast, for example, he, he's the guy who uh, made the film, well, wrote the film Rounders and uh, makes the show Billions. Uh, and he talks to people about, well, he knows a lot about music because he was in the music industries. Um, but he talks about, you know, oftentimes filmmaking and craft of screenwriting mm. and that sort of stuff. And just, just seeing the parallels between how people approach creativity in other fields is quite, in, you know, a really interesting thing. And he, he teases that out of them pretty effectively, I think. Yeah, I enjoy um, Adam Buxton's sort of very kind of loose conversational style. I mean, which isn't necessarily what we do, but but the sort of, the vibe of his conversations is is something we sort of try and establish as well. Just a, a nice conversation between yeah three people, you know. Um, I think there's some some of his uh, interviews are. I mean, I don't. Do you listen to Adam Buxton's podcast at all? 
I've only listened to bits. Yeah. Like, I've never been, like, a hardcore fan of this. I've only ever listened to, I think, because I'm a fan of, like, the Distraction Pieces podcast, and people yeah. always recommended it. So mm-hmm. I think I listened to one or two, a few, like, a few years ago, but I didn't stick with it. Well, I really recommend uh, the Michael Palin one from, oh, God, might be getting on for sort of three or four years ago now, maybe. But um, that, I think, is one of the best interviews with anyone I've ever heard. It, there's just something so intimate about it like the strangers mm. you know um where it takes place just in like a back room i think some sort of club michael palin is a member of like a groucho club type thing or something like that and it just just goes into all these areas of, of sort of you know there's talk about monty python and all that sort of stuff there's fun stuff it's you know but they get into sort of stuff about um quite heavy things like at the death of adam buxton's father because mm. he you know he, and he compares his experience to that to Michael Palin's experience of being with Graham Chapman when he died and and Michael Palin he doesn't shy away from any of it he's very comfortable talking mm. about it and it's just it, but it's it, it, and it's it's emotional but it's not heavy you know what yeah. I mean or depressing it's just a very real um warm conversation there's a really nice rapport there um that's a, that's one to start with if you were going to sort of go down that particular rabbit hole. But um, yeah, so but that's you know that's ideally what what we want is that kind of just a sort of as warm and as as kind of um, intimate a conversation as I guess you can have. Well, it, uh, it's a different kind of intimacy we're talking about. You know, we're we're getting into process of songwriting yeah. really. You know, we're not getting into sort of personal stuff. But but the vibe of that particular episode I described is. Is kind of, I think, a an exemplar really mm. of, of what a good interview based podcast should be. Um, I mean, and there's, there's a lot of people who do that, but the, I mean, probably we know there's a lot of people who we try not to be like, I won't name any names, but you know, just in terms of being kind of too present in a conversation, just making it far too much about themselves, not yeah. just not being able to to shut up and let the uh, the you know the interviewer speak the, the, the interviewees sorry Go I think that happens a lot with comedy podcasts doesn't it because it's a comedy podcast so everyone wants to score all the time and so the the interruptions are designed to kind of say oh and yeah it's just like that time when this happened you know <laughs> and it's frustrating that I find exactly that's it yeah it's just um, we just try and stay out the way as as much as possible and we appreciate that in other interviews as well you know we're there to to sort of push the conversation along yeah. where necessary, but if you know if the person's a good talker and they're just you know they're giving us good stuff, then we're happy to kind of let them talk. I mean, we will try and jump in if if you know if they've been talking for ten minutes and we're running out of time, you know, we'll try and kind of nip in there and um, you know shut them up. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, no, you know, but that's it's just and those kind of things. I don't know it. it each style of guest poses their own. You know, you have the guest who sort of gives you the short clip kind of answers. Yeah. And then you have the guest who will happily talk for 10 minutes and each poses their own separate challenge, which we kind of enjoy. You know, the one we enjoy sort of having to kind of work a bit harder to get more out of the guest. But it's also nice to just kind of sit back and let them do the kind of heavy lifting. Yeah. No, that's really cool. Like, um, I ended up down a YouTube rabbit hole of like, do you know, like podcasting tips and videos and things. I ended up on a video where it was a uh, like top ten tips Joe Rogan does for 
interviews. I was like, oh, that might be mm. interesting. And I watched it. I was like, oh, maybe I can get something from that. But I realized it was on like a YouTube channel that was just the most toxic masculinity <laughs> fucking yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> in the end, I had to like reset my entire YouTube channel and clear my search history, clear <laughs> everything because I was just getting recommended all these awful videos about like show your confidence yeah <laughs> <laughs> and it just completely derailed that but then like you were saying with comedy shows like i'm a huge bear kreischer fan but he cannot let a motherfucker talk for longer <laughs> than 10 minutes before he jumps in but with like you were saying about like necessary like short clip dan- answers and guests how do you kind of get them to elaborate more is it more you just have to ask because i always worry that when i get short answers i'm going to burn through the questions i've got kind of prepped and then I'm kind of just going to be freestyling and free-falling with it. Do you have a plan for this, or is it easier with the two of you there? You can kind of jump in and out. I think we're lucky that there is two of us, um, and there have been times where someone's answered a question quite quickly, and luckily Brian's jumped in, because I, I didn't have anything, and you know, thank God he was there. Um, but the, in general, I'd say what we do is, for any particular topic we want to talk about, like a, a given song, we'll have two or three follow-ups handy and if the person covers all of those things when they're asked about the song then that's fine we'll probably move on but if they say oh yeah yeah i wrote that in 2016 and that's the answer then we've got those extra things to say oh right so it was at the piano then was it or you know Mm. and we we just want to open it up a little bit more and when you start pushing like that people get the sense oh they obviously want more on this so i'll give it to them you know although Mm. you do come across people who you know, for whatever reason, don't have anything else to add about how it happened. Um, and that's not frustrating, but um, sometimes a bit of a challenge. And you will go through the questions faster than you would have liked. Um, and so that episode might be 25, 30 minutes, where ordinarily it would have been 45, you know. Mm. And with kind of with those questions and with those guests, have you noticed the difference between, say, a newer artist that you're interviewing? And, you know, like Steve Perry or Bon Jovi, where, you know, they've been in the game for so long, they know what's kind of expected of them is to spin a yarn. But the younger artists may be nervous and not as, you know, used to talking to themselves in that length of time. Have you noticed the difference between those type of guys? Hmm. Not necessarily, no, actually. Sometimes the younger artists uh, um, are are better in that regard because they may be less grizzled and jaded <laughs> they're more you know it's this all this is kind of relatively new to them and um they're, they're fresh and they're they're just enthusiastic about music and songwriting and they're they're at the start of their journey you know so whereas you know a, a Stephen, well no Stephen perry was, was, a, was a great interviewee and very effusive but um but yeah it's not necessarily any impediment to to you know being kind of smart and 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 uh insightful about songwriting you know um I'm just trying to think of a recent uh young guest we've had on who's, who's a good example um, or, well maybe a few years ago we had a guy called declan mckenna on mm. who literally just he was about to release his first album i think you know he prior to to our interview i think he'd only brought a couple of eps and stuff but he was tremendously articulate and and you know smart beyond his years and um, and we got lots of great stuff out of him, you know. So um, and I think that was a lesson to us actually, because maybe prior to that, we we maybe were a bit of the opinion that oh, what's what's a seventeen year old got to <laughs> tell us, you know what I mean? Um, and then we learned from that well quite a lot actually. So that sort of 
opened us up to having kind of younger guests because I think prior to that maybe we'd leaned more towards the old guard mm. or you know you kind of sort of people have been around a couple of decades at least um, and then after that we thought no we can actually sort of and it, it, I think it's helped the shelf life of the show as well it's just meant we can go a bit broader and, and more varied in the styles of, of people we talk to yeah I think we realised that some of our future guests are right at this moment doing their GCSEs <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. And with kind of not necessarily just those younger artists, but as songwriters yourself, and you've been in the, you know, it's 199 episodes so far. 200 will come out soon, mm-hmm. will it? So you've been in the game for a while now. Have your songwriting, like your own processes and your own thoughts on songwriting, been challenged and flipped from these conversations? I think so, yeah. I mean, it's hard not to really when you've had so much stuff told to you from all Mm. these professionals over the years. Um, You know, anyone, even people who weren't particularly engaged with songwriting would probably have gleaned quite a lot about creativity in general or, you know, discipline for how you do that kind of work or whatever. Uh, But for us, it's like a goldmine, isn't it? You know, we just, you know, we think about things in the context of what these people have told us and it's just a helpful kind of uh, bank of information that we can rely on now to sort of say well if this isn't working then what about we try it that way because we, we heard that that was a, a way that someone got around the problem mm. and that's typically when that stuff becomes useful because we have our own ideas obviously and we're, we've written songs together since we were you know sort of 13 14 or whatever so we don't really need any help in that sense. Um, but when you come across blocks or problems or things that aren't quite what you expected, it is really useful to be able to say, well, what if we just did it the way, you know, Dan Wilson said, do the baseline backwards and, you know, put this on top instead or try writing a set of lyrics to a song you already know or just any kind of tip that can help sort of move you on, you know. Mm. Yeah, I think, so. you know, Songwriting, it's not easy to do, or it's not easy to do well. You know, anyone can write a song and, you know, and I would hope we've encouraged a lot of people to to, to try it, you know, aside from just being listened to by, you know, people who were already into songwriting. Like some people have just taken up songwriting from listening to, to the show as well, which is very gratifying. But, you know, it's it's still hard. It's it's hard to do it well, you know what I mean? I don't think it's, it's made it any easier. But as I says, it just gives you a few more, kind of options if you get if you get stuck well you know let's try this let's try that and and sometimes things just kind of maybe creep in unconsciously you know you don't necessarily sit there and think well you know how would Gilbert O'Sullivan write a, a song but yeah. then you'll write something you go oh that sounds a little bit like something he would do you know what I mean and that comes I mean just from listening to a lot because for the interviews obviously we have to do a lot of prep a lot of research a lot of listening Um so we're just constantly absorbing music from all these different people so aside from like hearing them talk about how they write songs just listening to so much music has has been a um a a real sort of help i would say Mm, yeah and as bryce said it's um it's a you know it's a real sort of comfort to have that to have that knowledge that everyone who faces this challenge has the same kind of problem they all come to the blank page and it doesn't get any easier for any of them really you know no matter how many strategies they might have or tools or techniques they might adopt ultimately everyone's trying to do the same thing which is to come up with some kind of 
great idea that's just wed to a great melody um, and can carry an idea to a listener, you know. Um, mm. And that's that's a tough thing to do, no matter what, whether you've been doing it for 50 years or five minutes, you know. Mm. I was talking to a guy in Kentucky who's been on this podcast, his episode's coming out soon, called James Reed, and he was talking about um, when Tyler Childers kind of hit the scene in Kentucky. Hundreds of songwriters just gave up <laughs> and stopped playing. And it was a we, we had this weird conversation about how this many people saw this guy will kind of rise up from that scene and you know do his songs. It made a lot of people give up. With obviously you guys are face to face, not just with you know incredible songwriters of you know the past, but it's the new songwriters coming up. Do you ever kind of feel daunted when you see those songwriters who are just able to like? I always listen to like Towns Van Zandt or John Prine. Mm-hmm. And I hear their turns of phrase, and I'm like, "Fuck!" But it, it's never made me want to stop. But it's made me question myself. Do you guys get that? Like, maybe in the middle of a podcast, where you're like, "I'm completely outgunned here." Um, maybe, maybe not in the middle of a podcast, but definitely when you when you're listening, you know, when you're listening to to these incredible back catalogs, you know, you, you you do sit back and go, "Jesus!" You know, it can be overwhelming, and you can then sort of, you know, compare it to what. You come up with and and think, oh the fuck, you know what's the what's, the, what's even the point? But you know, and that's a, that's a perfectly understandable kind of human reaction. You you know, um, but the same. But we're also hugely inspired at the same time. Yeah. Depends what mood you're in, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. You know, if you're in a fairly uh, you know low mood, maybe you'd be more inclined. Ah, oh, fuck it, never write another song again. Or you know, maybe you know if you if you're feeling up. You know that you'll just be inspired by what you hear. Um, it just just depends, I guess, on your mood and the the time of day. But uh, generally speaking, for us, it's 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 inspiration. We're we're not deterred mm. um, in any way, really. Yeah. Oh, good. Like that's the main thing. And it's all like I, when he said it, it blew my mind. I was like, like hundreds of people had that same thought to be like, fuck this. And yeah. it was like, but it was also and it's not a slag off Tyler Chillers because I do love his music but it was like it wasn't even like Christopherson or someone like that that made you want to quit it was like this new kid who's come up and is like three albums deep and made you want to bail on it yeah I think I think if, if anything's a deterrent really or, or could be a deterrent it would be just the sheer volume of stuff that there is you know, there's just so many songs. There's so much music, more music than can you possibly any of us could possibly hear in a lifetime. And and for me personally, like that that is a difficult. You know, so if you're sitting down to write something, you know that the first obstacle for me anyway is try and set aside the fact that there are gazillions of songs, lots of very very good songs, lots of very talented songwriters. You know, just try and set that aside and just concentrate on what you're doing and, and do do some, try and come up with something that you like first mm. and foremost do you, are you getting off on what you're writing and you know th- that's a hard mindset to get into because you know as I say we're just so bombarded with more now more than ever bombarded with content it's mm. just you know it's just being just churned out by the second and you're sitting down with your guitar trying to you know trying to come up with something new and it's easy sometimes to think, oh, maybe there's nothing. Is there anything new, really? But it, it's though those are the things. Rather than any one person's uh, song catalog, it's that general sense of God. There's so much stuff. I better make this song count. Yeah. You know, 
And of, and of course, saying that to yourself when you sit down is the thing that would prevent you from making a good contribution. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's a, the whole thing is a process of of just you know uh, getting out your own head, I guess, getting out the way yourself, however you want to want to put it, and just trying to get lost in the the very act of doing something, and and that's. I think that's what a message we want to try and put out there more and more really is just it's about you know ultimately it's about having fun doing it yeah um and and, and not being too i mean i guess it depends on on what the context is for you right and if you have to write you know 12 songs for a musical or something 20 songs for a musical you know then there's pressure on and it's you can't just go oh, i'm just gonna enjoy it you know <laughs> it is like you've got a job to do and you've got to propel a story and all that sort of stuff you know but just the act of sitting down to write a song for the, it should be an enjoyable thing to do, um, and it, you should not put too much pressure on yourself because you know you can you can put yourself off before you you start if you if you do that you know it should just be for the sheer joy of creating. Yeah, one of the things I always do that's always helped was because of I write in like the country folk type of genre. If I'm trying to write or I'm suffering from writer's block, I won't listen to anything in that genre for a good chunk of time and my go-tos are always either Wu-Tang Clan and Public Enemy or like Deicide and Suffocation just for some extreme death or black metal just to try and like I always call it a hard reset just to try and get everything that is like a nice shiny bright chord out of my head yeah no that's interesting yeah no I haven't thought of that really but no it's a good good way of um, yeah kind of clearing the slate I suppose and yeah. It started, can- yeah it started a while back when I was in like a metal band when I was younger and like the guitarist who was in the band as well, he could basically tell which Metallica album I'd been listening to mm. the day I wrote that riff. So I was like, fuck it. So I couldn't listen to Metallica at all when I was writing. So then it's kind of been that same thought process where I can't listen to that genre for too long if I'm trying to do something because the influences will just kind of overwhelm the like originality and like my own yeah. kind of perspective of things. No, well, I, no, I, to be honest with you, thinking about it when I've sort of listened to an album I like or I've enjoyed and then I've got oh feel kind of inspired and then picked up and try you know try to kind of write something right after here it's it just has never worked you know mm. what I mean because I, I'm immediately then I am comparing what I'm doing to this thing I've just heard that I liked you know so it, it can be a sort of uh, dodgy road to go so you're probably right to kind of you just get completely away from that stuff listen to something you or not listen to anything yeah you know just kind of try and um uh yeah just just uh go dry for it for a week <laughs> or so and then just see what at the, at the end of that week what kind of stuff you come up with unless you start writing a load of like death speed country or something <laughs> <laughs> do you know what my stuff kind of borders on that anyway so it's i do have to kind of draw a line and then a lot of it is just wu-tang and public enemy but what do you think like the longest you guys have gone without actually listening to music for the longest period of time like consciously listening to music for Ooh. um you want? yeah that's a good question i would say because of the schedule for the podcast the last 10 years has just been filled with listening <laughs> It's 10 years this November since we started and we're almost always preparing for a guest. So there's, I think, three in the calendar now that we're going to be mm-hmm. listening for. So, you know, any spare moment I get, I'm, I'm putting that playlist on for that artist, you know. Mm. So I'm listening to 
potentially three artists at any given time and they'll all be in different genres and stuff as well so actively not listening to music at all i i couldn't say that i've done that in the last 10 years yeah i mean i would say i don't know maybe a few days at a push for as i says you know we are sort of constantly yeah prepping for for interviews and stuff so um i mean it's, it's a funny thing because you know we love music we love listening to music but prepping for a for an interview it's it's a it's it, it's sort of a double-edged sword because it's it's great you get you get access to to a new album by sometimes by an artist you're a massive fan of you know like McCartney we got Egypt Station like well where did we get it about six weeks before it um it was released something mm. like that you know so that's like a tremendous privilege well, how often is that going to happen yeah. so that that's great but then there's also the elements of homework you know, you're not just sitting back and immersing yourself in it. You're sort of having to kind of study it a bit mm. and be thinking about what am I going to ask um, about this song or that song or or this approach or whatever. So, you know, um, that's a yeah. As I say, it's a kind of I'm kind of ambivalent about the way we have to listen for the for the podcast. Obviously, it's 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 enjoyable, but yeah. it's a, it's a, it's compromised as well. You know. And usually it's not till maybe after we've interviewed the guest and it's in the can for you know for about a given record or whatever that then we can go back and hear that thing and go God this is really good I'm enjoying this now just the yeah. pressure's off I can just hear it as it was meant to be heard yeah um, I do yeah. sometimes go back and listen for pleasure after we've interviewed mm. them which is a slightly different feeling yeah and you hear the song it's like wow this is re-, you know and you realise you weren't really you, you were obviously engaging with it but just in a different way you were engaging with it as I suppose a, an interviewer or a, a music journalist would engage with it you weren't just like letting yourself just sit back and enjoy it yeah uh, yeah. well that was one going to be one of the things I asked because I went to um, Hope Uni in Liverpool and I yeah. studied music there and one of the things like during my time at university was probably the least creative I ever was and you know, I had to write an essay. They, you had to pick a song, write an essay about it. And I, they were, the first thing the tutor said was, "Don't pick a song you like, because you're gonna have to play it to death, and you're never gonna want to listen to it again." And I did. Like, I kind of liked the song. Like, I love Stevie Wonder, so I did "Living for the City" because it had like mm-hmm. such a wealth of content, to, like explore and dig. But I've still not really listened to that without thinking of university and guitar lessons were compulsory so i just didn't fucking play guitar for a few years after that just because i was sick of the thing but is it hard when you have like an analytic approach to songwriting and you know an academic approach like you do and your backgrounds to step away and like cut that out to just enjoy the music does it take like you were saying like a year or two to go back and finally get to appreciate something at the face value of it um it probably doesn't take that long I think I'm more likely to go back and listen for pleasure if we have a really great experience with someone. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when we first interviewed Mike Viola, who's a songwriter who's been on the show twice. I remember after that first interview with him, I was on such a high after hearing him explain his process that I had to drive from Liverpool back to Birmingham right after the interview. And I was playing his playlist at like full volume all the way, even though I just prepped for the interview yeah. and interviewed him. Um, because as I say it was like a kind of a, it's almost like a release you know and you get to really enjoy it and I've done that a few times since over the years where I've just you know dived in but I think it's it's more likely an immediate reaction to really enjoying the person 
than mm. it is, you know, something that happens like years later or anything like that. I don't think we get scarred by it, you know, and we have to kind of <laughs> set something aside for a long time. That doesn't happen. Although if you have a slightly negative experience with someone, it does kind of colour the way that I think of that artist forever. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> and yeah. I don't really... I can't say I completely enjoy their music in the way that I once did, just because I kind of know the personality it came from more so yeah. than I did before, and that's a little bit of a complication I didn't expect. Yeah, no, I'm the, I'm the same. Yeah, I mean, although that's that's been extremely rare, and even even the sort of quote unquote negative experiences were not, you know, they weren't no. nothing <laughs> terrible really. It was just maybe a person wasn't quite as warm and friendly as you hoped they would yeah. be. Um, you didn't get you know establish quite the rapport that you thought you would. That's that's what it is mostly. Um, in terms of sort of you know thinking about things analytically and academically, we 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 don't get too sort of deep into that really we're not um, you know we have some kind of technical knowledge and things like that but we don't tend to put too much of that into the questions and we don't mm. listen too you know I mean obviously we'll listen out for kind of the structure so we'll notice things like structure wise or a certain cadence or you know a certain melodic kind of flourish or something like that we'll pick up on those kinds of things but we don't get too much into the the nuts and bolts of, of sort of uh of music in terms of harmony and yeah. you know um, and that kind of thing, um, so so we're still able to to just listen to things and in, enjoy them even as we are kind of um, studying them if you mm. like. Yeah, I think there's plenty of shows out there that get into the scales and modes and you know yeah. chord sequences and and do the a musicology of a particular song. That's not really our style. We're much more interested in the creative process in general, I think. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, I'd find it a little bit of a dead end sitting down with some of these people and trying to say, okay, now when you did that two five one progression there, and they'd, they'd look at you like, I don't even know what those chords are called. <laughs> yeah. I have no yeah. idea. And that's generally what you find is that mm -hmm. most of these people are super creative, inspired, talented people, but they couldn't care less about the notes and and the chords you know yeah no definitely and like going back to what you're talking about with you know the almost overwhelming amount of music there is now there is also an overwhelming amount of podcasts now i read a thing on twitter where it was like a guy starting a podcast is the like the male equivalent of a girl getting bangs <laughs> <laughs> and with so many podcasts out what was the kind of scene like obviously you guys started in was it 2011 yeah yeah what was the podcast scene like in like a decade ago now? Um, obviously less uh, populated. Um, it was all fields. Know. Yeah, it was all fields. You could always leave your door open. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't. I, I don't even know if we were like aware of there being any kind of scene. Obviously, we were. You know, we we were podcast listeners already by that point, and that was one of the things that kind of inspired us to start it. Um. But yeah, I, th I don't know. I guess it, it felt like a sort of relatively uncharted mm. territory. I think um, I know that if we if we were starting now, we'd be maybe be slightly put off by just the sheer quantity now. Yeah. Um, you know, and and obviously this the, the sort of proliferation of celebrity celebrity can't even say it, celebrity driven podcasts. Um, 
you know, that's it, it's become more of a kind of business now and a bit of a mm. money game. And you're hearing about all these ridiculous deals people are signing with Spotify, like Joe Rogan and stuff like that. You know, golden handcuffs kind of deals. And uh, yeah, and that's kind of a little bit, I don't know. I mean, we don't want to be too sort of like hippy dippy about it, but it's a little bit off putting, you know, or it, might, it, it would be off putting to us if we were starting out now. Yeah. And I feel like it might be off putting to, to, to other people who were, who were thinking of starting out or it maybe gives the impression it's this kind of elitist thing that only you know celebrities can do with a nice studio yeah. in Hollywood somewhere you know when it's non it's nonsense you can you can do them anywhere with a decent bit of kit you know what I mean um bit of ingenuity like anyone can do a good podcasts I, I've, we've noticed this thing creeping in in certain quarters of uh Things being described as as amateur, like there's you know, like amateur podcasts and you know, which is sort of a bit, I don't know, insulting maybe I think because it's like because technically you know we're we're not professional in that in that we don't get we don't get paid for doing what we do we just do it for the, for the love of it but we we put together a good yeah thing you know and and uh, you wouldn't describe what we do as amateurish but no. maybe in the eyes of some <clears throat> of these people. We're an amateur, but you know what I mean. It's just yeah. kind of. It's, it's probably weird... it's probably a discourse put together by like more powerful companies, basically, isn't it, to try and stake their claim to that turf as you know how can we differentiate ourselves and acquire the most kind of listener share by yeah. saying that we're the we're the pros and the rest of them are just kind of amateurs, you yeah, know. Let- Let's make it seem less accessible to to the little person, maybe. Yeah. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe it's not as as conscious as that but um yeah did they answer the question i don't know yeah no with spotify like it, it probably is conscious you can't really pull anything past them because i saw they brought out like the barack obama and spring scene one i got like push notifications on my phone and i saw i was like well there goes my fucking endorsement deal a chance with them <laughs> spending all the money on those guys but um <laughs> what i wanted to talk about you two guys as well was you know you are independent podcasts you don't even have like ads and things what was the conscious decision behind that to be you know fan supported if people do want to donate and chuck some money to support you guys what was the conversation behind that and the thought process for it i think when we started i mean it takes a long time to build up an audience and um i think a lot of podcasts these days they start up and after the first show they're selling merch and they're you know having sponsors and doing all this kind of like mid-roll end roll (laughs) interruptions Mm. of the content you know and we just sort of thought that that was sort of uh, something you would do down the road once you had a larger audience really putting the cart before the horse Mm. yeah i mean just concentrate on making some good content first and so that's what we did and then by the time we built up you know 50 episodes or whatever and started getting those offers to sell web hosting for squarespace it was like well Really, they're not offering enough money to make it worth yeah. adding that stuff into the content because it's going to just disrupt the flow of the show. We're going to have to be shilling for all these companies. And really, it doesn't cost that much to do in the first place. I mean, we're an independent team, so there's just two of us, which has its limitations in terms of how much stuff we can take on. But at the same time, it's not like we need to pay overheads and keep the lights yeah. on and pay a staff. So, um, you know, a donation model where people who love the show can give us money if they want to is much more convenient for us and just helps keep things ticking over we never planned for it to be a big money spinner and we certainly didn't want to have uh you know 
be selling mattresses in no. the middle of an episode, especially if we're getting into a really deep discussion about creativity and that. You know, I don't want to be sort of um, hearing an emotional st- story about how someone wrote a song about a loved one that was lost and then turn to selling razors you know yeah it's like a really emotional conversation and then it immediately cuts to how you can keep your balls freshly shaven for <laughs> the low low price of 39.99 exactly. or whatever it is no yeah, that's a really it's just not our not our yeah. style really yeah. Yeah, yeah i mean you know not to say obviously you know if someone came to us and was offering something ridiculous you know what i mean we'd <laughs> We, we, you know, we'd Sell be lies if flash, we said, we? "Oh yeah." No, we'd be lies if we'd be lies if we said we wouldn't consider it, you know. But it, it, it's, it's obviously, um, obviously that hasn't happened, and and we're so far down the road now, and and uh, yeah, as I says, it's it's it, generally it, it's it's doesn't cost that much. I mean, obviously, in the last few years, it has cost more in terms of just you know train fares down to London mostly. That is that's been the main expense, I would say. Um, but you know. This past year, we've recorded, you know, 50 episodes for, like, in our houses, you know, basically. Mm. And um, it just kind of gives the light to all this nonsense about you need to be in this big Swiss studio, you need a celebrity front your show, you need this, you need that. You don't, you know. uh, You just need to have a good show, Mm. you know, just... Yeah, and that and that's it. There are good and bad podcasts, you know what I mean? Not, I don't know, sort of professional and amateur. And, the, um, and the, the charts tell the truth of that as well, for the most part. You know, shows like yours and ours are, are in those charts alongside shows produced by the BBC. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's it. Just the, just having the stamp of an institution like the BBC or, uh, you know, doesn't necessarily guarantee it's going to be good. Mm. Just because it's hosted by a famous actor or a famous TV presenter or whatever doesn't mean it's going to, going to be good. It might be, you know... Um, pretty mediocre it's you know i guess we just we just found we found the topic we were enthusiastic about we we've you know we just found the concept we we, we thought we might be able to sort of pull off mm. you know it wasn't anything sort of earth shatter in terms of concept it was just interviews with songwriters but no one was really kind of doing it and we just sort of well let's try it and then here we are, you know, sort of ten years later, and it's it's just it it worked. You know, it could just as easily not have done, but um, and yet we're just a pain to kind of you know, um, any opportunity to point out that you know it's possible to put together something like you know, for two people who aren't well known, who don't have some you know huge budget to put together a, a good show that that lasts, you know, mm. stands the test of time. Yeah, now that's really like the amazing thing about your show and podcast is you know it still has that like punk ethos of it's open to anyone with an internet connection really and it's just how much you give a shit and how much work you put into it kind of shows how long you'll be able to that's stick it. with it yeah that's yeah. it i mean we are we, you know we're we're as as much as we've sort of established ourselves by now um you know plenty of people sort of know who we are but we're still ultimately indie mm. you know we're as indie as it gets it's just us you know, obviously we, we you know, we, we sort of liaise with publicists and things to get the guests, but you know, ultimately we're doing all the all the work, you know. It's it stands or falls, you know, on how good a job the two of us yeah. do and that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's about persistence, isn't it? If you're willing to stick with the concept and continually try to deliver something of high quality over many years, eventually it just becomes undeniable and people will notice what you're doing. And you can build an audience that way. 
It's a war of attrition, yeah. you might say. It's, it's mad, and it's just, I don't know, you, you have to be kind of obsessed as well, you know, maybe slightly demented, to, to, to stick at it this long for, for very little, you know, sort of financial reward. You've, you've just got to, you've got to be really passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, yeah. The amount of people who've said to us over the years, like be it friends or relatives or whatever, I can't believe you don't get paid for this. It's like, well... Really, it's it's kind of you know why should we? You know, <laughs> we certainly didn't start off from the point of let's do something that makes us money. That's not how this began. You know, it starts that was sort of a, a thing we were in, enthusiastic about. If that um, had been our goal, we would have stopped after ten episodes. I'm sure. Yeah, it's just not you know, and people sort of marvel when we say that. Well, we just it's you know we do it for the kind of love of it because it's it probably sounds a little bit kind of I don't know. Um, peace and love but it, it's just it, it really is true you know and it's something just keeps making us do it it just keeps insisting on itself we we can't seem to stop and, even and though the times you, you do think you know Jesus Christ I'm putting all this work in and you know what I mean hours of effort and, and you know research and listening and just to create like say 40 minutes of content that you know, most people won't tell you they liked. You just you just put it out there, you know, and you assume people have enjoyed it. And, and you know, it's not like you're getting a round of applause. It's just, oh, well, I guess, all right, so that's out there. Um, on to the next one now. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. Yeah, but it's um, it's an interesting thing to try and do. But, you know, we, we do it and we do it for love, but other things come along and encourage you along the way. So, like, we got to make a documentary for the BBC yeah. in, like, 2016, and, you know, we got mentioned in a novel by an author, an American author, featured his main character listening to our show. Wait, I think book. I saw you share that on, like, a like a, tw- a tweet or something. There was, like, a little picture of him mentioned. That's crazy. Yeah. It was yeah, Ni- uh, Nicholson no. Baker, his name was, yeah. Travelling yeah. Sprinkler, the book was called. Yeah. And then, you know, you get coverage in, you know... New Statesman or The Guardian or whatever it might be and they, they write about you in a positive way and you think, oh, well, we must be doing something right and then you end up getting asked to interview Nile Rogers at Meltdown on stage <laughs> in front of, you know, 900 people or whatever and it's like, well, wow, you know, that experience would never have happened if we hadn't have spent all our time doing the podcast yeah. for free. So there are kind of auxiliary things that come along and make it worth your while. Yeah, and those are those are priceless experiences. You know, you couldn't couldn't buy some of the things we've been able to to do over the past sort of decade. Um, you, well, yeah, I guess you could pay for a meet and greet. But, um, <laughs> you know, to actually get to sit down and spend a meaningful amount of yeah. time with these people and ask them about what they do, and, um, yeah, you just can't put a, put a price on that, really. It's yeah. reward enough, mm-hmm. yeah. essentially. I think when when you do it right and when people do it right, it's like, as a fan first, always rings true and that's always like the best way to approach things but i remember like doing some research for this i think there's an article from the echo from when your first 10 episodes hit and i think it was like you guys hit like ten thousand downloads and there was a feature for you in the echo was there a specific turning point that you remember being like you know not necessarily everyone was you know leaving reviews or giving you feedback that they were listening to but was there a turning point where you realized people were you know tuning in regularly and you were getting like an average number of listeners and this might be a thing that has legs. I think it was just always very gradual, wasn't it, Si? Um, I guess it was from, from the beginning, but then 
there was a moment when we had um, Richard Sherman on, one of the Sherman brothers who wrote all the Disney songs from Mary Poppins and all those musicals, and it was featured on a blog called Boing Boing. Um, and it was written about on there. And then, like, we checked the stats the next day, and there was, like, an extra 15,000 people had downloaded it. And I was like, oh, <laughs> it does work. You know, this this sort of thing, that, you know, that we'd never really experienced before of, like, a sudden change in our popularity yeah. do, does happen, especially if you get coverage in the right place by the right person. Um, and so, yeah, we, we sort of noticed that then. And from there, there were other little sort of tempo moments, I suppose, where we, you know, getting Paul Simon on was a big thing and upped our numbers and gave us one of our most popular episodes ever and, you know, things like that. Yeah, there's, there's the odd surge like that, I guess, but mostly I guess, it, it's just a very gradual thing. We've just, you know, it's just kind of built slowly and surely um, just over the, over the years to the point where we, we kind of, I don't know, all of a sudden we found that, oh, yeah, we do seem to be quite, like you know, known and appreciated. Mm. Not that we're in any way famous or anything like that, but just in the podcast yeah. realm, you know, we we seem to. I guess we start to notice that some oh people seem to kind of look up to us in in a weird way in terms of like podcasting and and what have you. Mm. But uh, yeah, you you get those odd moments. Yeah, like with Paul Simon McCartney. Obviously, that was a huge moment as well. Um, but uh, it. Yeah, you can't really wait for those moments to come along, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's just the, again, it's just the question. Just keep doing the work. Just keep building it. Keep building it. Enjoy those moments when they come, but they pass very quickly, as well. You know what I mean? Um, and you just got to be kind of looking, looking on to the next thing. Obviously, you know, you you, you do take the moments to sort of appreciate yeah. these things, but um, just I guess the demand for content is so great. You know what I mean? That you you always got to be sort of thinking about keeping it keeping it going. Don't rest on your laurels, yeah. kind of thing. No, it's like yeah. it's it's keeping it in mind, but not like staring at the analytics every day, trying to watch like the download counter go because you'll drive that, yourself mad. Exactly, really. That's I mean, I got yeah. a bit obsessed with checking the kind of uh, Apple Podcast charts for a while, and it was just I was, I'd never been so miserable <laughs> <laughs> because you know you, oh, one day oh, you were oh, number two, and the next you were number eighty-two. Well, sometimes it would be in the space of an hour, like we'd be like number five, and the next minute we're like dropped out the top hundred. I, I just couldn't get a grip on how does this, how does this work? I don't understand, and it was driving me insane. And then at some point, I just thought, you know what? I'm just not going to look at these things anymore. I've, I, I guess I just reached the point where I was like, I'm comfortable that what we're doing is good and listened to by lots of people. Mm. Yeah. And I don't need to know on a daily basis exactly kind of how many people. If you try to rationalise it according to metrics, you'll just you're just going down some kind of unsolvable riddle wrapped in an enigma, aren't you? Well, yeah. It's like, you know, like Twitter, for example. You know, you can put out an episode and get like 15 likes and then you can go to your stats and 15,000 people have downloaded it. And you think, oh, so people are there listening, but maybe they're just not engaging yeah. with that post, you know? Yeah. But then, so, then I fixate on the on the 15 likes, you know, it's what, <laughs> you know. And it's not even important. It's not important. So it's a, it's a kind of a myth in a lot of ways that, you know, you your Twitter numbers and things like that. Because as I says, you know, you could be getting like, you know, 10 times that actually engaging with the content, listening, downloading, mm. you know, that that's what, that's what we do it for. Yeah, you get preoccupied with, why have only 12 people 
like their announcements. I don't get it. <laughs> you know, and again, it's just you drive yourself mad. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you're you at know. the mercy of the algorithms of all these um, services as well. You know, Facebook yeah. and Twitter and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's I think why I really appreciate about you guys is how like fan driven and you know motivated you are to keep going because it's not a cash in you aren't you know selling manscape.com and things like that you are doing it for the love of songwriting and that's because i first found you guys through the jason isbell podcast because i love mm. his music and stuff and then it was oh shit they're from liverpool as well i'm from the world only over the water so i was like oh there's two guys kind of local to me have made like an amazing podcast and it was kind of like it was the same thing as you know that punk ethos where you've find out there's a local band near you that are like doing well you're like oh shit maybe i could do this too and that's kind of been you know you guys have been one of the inspirations for this podcast but with you know your guests and stuff when you started like booking people what was kind of your process was it a lot of hail marys and then when people replied back you were like oh my god i managed to get x or y or was it were you surprised by people wanting to come on in the like origins of your podcast yeah yeah it was exactly that we just sent out some emails to people we thought would be great guests and we didn't sort of uh underestimate our ability to get them we just sort of said right well if we're going to do this we may as well ask the best people possible Mm. and we sent out a message to billy steinberg and we sent out a message to todd rundgren um and then we got two messages back saying sounds great yes let's do it and we sort of I mean, I remember getting that message that Todd Rundgren was going to do the show, second episode, and sending a message to Bryce saying, Todd Rundgren said yes. <laughs> yeah. And he was just like, what? <laughs> and it was completely unbelievable to us at that moment. But then I guess it was just a novel concept at a time at which there wasn't a lot of other stuff around mm. like that. And they just agreed to do it. And because of that, we were able to then say, okay, well, Todd Rundgren's just been on. Would you like to do it, Jimmy Webb? <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and they say yes, and then it's just kind of snowball from there. So in a way, it was kind of easy. We didn't have to. I mean, easy by my kind of standards of the amount of work it takes to mm. write all those emails, send all those yeah. emails, respond to all the replies, etc. Yeah. Obviously, um, there, were, there were plenty of you know emails that went answered, or there were plenty of people who said. No, but you know we 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 needed that first one or two people to say yes, and, and we got them pretty pretty quickly. And as I says, we were just able to kind of build on that, then kind of get a foothold, and um, and just make it more of an appealing kind of uh, prospect for for future guests. Mm. Was there any times where you noticed that, like, because one guest said yes, that like another one did? Because I had like um, the gems on VHS YouTube channel. I had Anthony from them on and then i sent an email to beans on toast and he was a big fan of the gems on vhs series so he said yes directly because i'd had that gone has that have happened to you guys where it's been i think i think that did happen i remember there was one um, instance with mark king do you remember that Well, mark king said uh he'd seen that we'd had todd rungren on i think and and that was one of the things that sort of uh made up his mind for him i think um barry man and cynthia Wilde mentioned jimmy webb they were big right. fans of Jimmy Webb, and I, th- I think that might have factored into their kind of saying yes um, quite early on. That's the, I think Johnny Marr maybe um, might have been a, a listener to... Yeah, uh, I mean, we're at the point now on. where there are quite a few songwriters who listen to the show mm. uh, who haven't been on yet, but we, you know, we're the respected songwriters that we would like to speak to but they're already listeners oh, and that's cool. happened in some of the interviews we've walked into they've said oh i listen to your show 
you know, and that as an icebreaker, that's great. Yeah. It's like, well, you already know what we do, and here you are prepared to be on it. So it's going to be easy now. It's a real nice, relaxing moment, that is. Of, of course, sometimes we get publicists who tell us, oh, um, you know, our, our, our client X is a huge fan of the podcast. That, you know, we'd love, love to get them. So we go, oh, yeah, great. You know, and then we'll, you know, start the interview. And we're expecting to start the interview by saying, oh, guys, you know, love the pod. Really glad you had me on. No mention at all. <laughs> it's just been a total scam by the publicist just to kind of like massage our egos. You know what I mean? They've no idea who we are and probably forget about us immediately as soon as we hang up. But, um, you know, that's the name of the game. Sometimes, you know, they have to try and sort of flatter yeah. to, uh, you know. Yeah. No, it makes sense. And, you know, we're coming up to a past an hour. I don't want to take up too much of you guys' time. But what's the future for you guys? Like, how many episodes do you kind of have in the bag at the moment? There's still, uh, well, allow me to just simply count them from my desktop. <laughs> uh, there is, including episode 200, there is 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 episodes in the queue. Nice. So we've got content on the way. Um, and that's you know 12 is a healthy amount that's enough to be dealing with yeah. um, because of the amount of effort we put into post-production and editing the shows and putting them together and um, that's a lot of work um, so we don't tend to book too many in advance now these days because otherwise you can have people in the queue waiting for a, a really long time um, but lately we've managed to kind of speed that up a bit and get a lot of these episodes out mm. so that's been a bit of a relief um mm-hmm. So, yeah, the plan is to just um, get these 12 episodes out and um, see what's coming around the corner. You mm-hmm. know, that's always the the brilliant thing about doing this is the longer you do it, the more these amazing sort of opportunities seem to come along. And every year there's something we simply can't believe yeah. has happened. Um, and so we've got our 200th episode out in about a week or so. We've got um, our 10-year anniversary coming up in November. Cool. So, Are yeah, you doing this, anything... Um, particular for that you're going to do a live show or is it going to be an event around that um possibly not a live show we, we, do, we do want to do something some kind of special bonus episode of some kind and maybe some other little bits and bobs here and there we haven't quite um settled on exactly what we're going to do but we are going to mark it somehow because it's mm. you know it's too big a, a milestone not to uh, acknowledge um but yeah, no, as I say, says it's just um, you know it's just sort of trying to stick around as long as we can really, and uh, yeah, just sort of see what see what comes along. Um, you know, the moment we stop, the moment that's when those opportunities stop. Yeah. So, and there's still yeah. a lot of people we want to speak to, and it's actually got to the point now where like you know we've sort of missed an artist maybe on the last album cycle, sort of two or three years ago, and then we've got them, you know, two or three. We're still here two or three years down yeah. the line, and we'll get them. You know, and we've sort of got into that mindset now of like, oh well, maybe if we don't get them this time round, if we're still here in, you know, a year or two, maybe then. Mm-hmm. And because it's happened on on a number of occasions, we've just it, it's it's just a game of patience, really, persistence, mm-hmm. and and just sort of you know we're confident enough now in what what we do. We we don't necessarily go go begging now. We it's 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 um it's most mostly offers 99% of the guests that we have on now are, are offered to that us awesome. we don't really have to go chasing and mm. um, which is a, a real luxury as well cool and yeah. with the kind of like the pandemic and how you've been recording now this like you know having to travel down to london and different things 
are you going to try and change to you know maybe more remote based stuff so you don't have to travel as much or would you still prefer them face-to-face interactions i'd i'd say we'd probably aim for a mixture because this has been so um successful just doing it this way you know obviously it's born out of terrible circumstances but you know it, it, it it's sort of proven to to work really well for us and um yeah, we've done some of our best episodes we've ever done in the past 12 months mm-hmm. so so we, we see no reasons to just suddenly because things open back up again right we abandon zoom yeah. it'd be silly we just so we where possible um or where you know if say we're offered some tremendous kind of songwriting superstar and they're going to be down in london you know we'd be fools not to go down and do that in in person yeah. really um and we missed, you know, I do, I do miss those uh, in-person chats. They are fun to do, and they'd get, you know, spend the day down in London is always kind of, you know, well, slightly stressful, but yeah. generally fun. <laughs> um, and that's when we get to see each other normally as well. Like th- those yeah. in-person interviews, because we live in different cities, so that was our time for meeting up and hanging out as well, which we haven't been able to do. So that's, a, you know, that's a good excuse for that too. So yeah, I think just you know, going forward, a mixture of zoom and and in person hopefully mm. no amazing well you know thanks so much for your time i'll let you guys go and there we have it folks that's episode 36 of into the van into the bag i can't thank you enough for listening please go listen to soda jerker's phenomenal podcast they have so many great guests on that if you love conversations that are open and honest with songwriters and creative folk you're gonna love them head over to them i'm gonna be tagging them all in the descriptions of this please keep on supporting what you love keep doing what you love and keep safe Peace.